0: At the time of recording this podcast, the NASDAQ is up, the Dow is up, Wall Street seems to be pretty happy. There's a strong GDP report, and Tesla's up by about 8%. Okay, Now, granted, like I said, at the time of the recording this podcast, it is, but who knows where it will be later on when you actually get to hear this podcast. What's also interesting, too, right now is that Wall Street is... they're, they're finally admitting that there's like a shift when it comes to moving a money right now from like dividend paying stocks to potentially back into the tech sector. But it's not fully cleared if that shift is happening. Okay. And what's also interesting too is is that Wall Street is kind of talking about the same things that we'll be talking about in today's podcast. We just might be able to go in a little bit more depth because we've been talking about some of these companies for a while, and so we have a better idea what's happening. So first off, some things we'll be talking about in today's podcast. Nightscope is in the news again. They've sold five new contracts, and what does that mean for Nightscope going forward? comcast is also in the news as well they they beat expectations on their earnings but peacock continues to wrap up wrap up losses peacock is i believe their streaming service if i'm not mistaken and so we'll get a little bit into what that means for the streaming wars going forward okay ibm also announced earnings as well and they topped revenue estimates but they are cutting jobs another tech company in the move of cutting jobs currently right now then obviously we got to talk about tesla because tesla shares are popping up right now on better than expect better than feared earnings in the making. So we'll get into that a little bit. And finally, at the end, we have to talk about Chevron because Chevron is announcing a 75 billion stock buyback and a dividend boost. What does that mean for the oil companies going forward? So With that being said, I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. And everything I talk about this podcast is for information entertainment purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing, as I could be completely wrong about everything that I express in my opinion after reading these news articles to you and be able to understand what is going on. Please go talk to your financial advisor as they'd understand your financial situation a lot better than I would. I legally cannot give you any financial advice in any way, shape, or form. And like I said, this podcast is for information entertainment purposes only. Please also note today, too, as well, that I do have a long position and short not short and small position in nightscope ibm and chevron with that being said let's begin today's podcast five new contracts for nightscope from business wire mountain view california nightscope inc the leading developer in autonomous security robots and emergency systems announces five new customer expansion orders adding to the company's ongoing sales growth nightscope's new suite of k1 emergency communication systems continue to be a big seller across multiple industries And these are the five areas. Now, what I I find interesting is that none of these are the big products, like the robots that roam on their own. But a a sale and a contract is still a sale and a contract at the end of the day. But these are the locations, okay? It says here, a New York college upgraded two of its devices with K-1 upgrade kits and a one-year maintenance plan. A privately university in California purchased five K-1 upgrade kits. A New Jersey airport added a K-1 e-phone and parts kit. A North Carolina town purchased another K1 upgrade kit and a city in Colorado added a K1 call box to its existing network. Anyone looking for innovation security solution or advanced communication devices for properties in the U S may book a discovery call or meeting now at nightscope.com. Okay. I know it's not that big of a deal because it's not like the K1s or the K5s or the K3s and definitely not the K7s because those are not out right now, but it's still interesting to see that Nightscope is continuing to grow. But what's also interesting is they gave us an idea of how Nightscope will continue to make money, at least from the acquisition of case emergency systems. Because what it said here, right, it said a New York college upgraded to its devices with K1 upgrade kits. And of course, most of it was upgrade kits or parts kits, right? So they're selling upgrade kits and parts to their clients. But also there's a one-year maintenance plan, meaning that Nightscope has signed a contract to for maintenance of these machines, okay? So this is where Nightscope could potentially make some of its money at the end of the day, not only from the Nightscope side of things, but from case side, right? They have these other contracts. Because I was wondering for the longest time, like I honestly thought that for the most part that when Nightscope sold a case emergency system, that it was virtually, they sold it, They would obviously repair some of them, right? But how much repair would depend on the device, right? Well, this kind of gives us an idea a little bit how Case made their money in the past, hence why they're probably profitable because of it, okay? I'm gonna say this like I always keep saying this acquisition that nice made for case was probably the best move in the company's history by far. Okay. I mean, it's not going to be like the big dollars. Like when they sell like a K one The K one is there a K tower, if I'm not mistaken. And then there's the K one hemisphere, which is being sold now too. And obviously the K five, which is the robot that moves on its own outside. And then the K three, that's a robot that roams indoors. And obviously the K Seven, which will be a multi-train one when it's ever released, right? I think the K Seven's a few years away from being released, but it's still an interesting design that they have. But the fact now that it, they're just showing just how smart this move was for buying the company, and you got to remember too, this quarter in particular is a good quarter in the making for Nightscope. Not uh, not crystal ball looking, right? And this isn't financial advice, but. This is the quarter where Nightscope actually gets to show to Wall Street and they won't get to show it until I think May of this year when they have a full 90 plus days under their umbrella of their company, right? That they'll finally get to show what the combined entity of Case and Nightscope will look like, okay? This coming quarter will give us a better idea. I mean, it's going to be part of their financial statements, but it's not like a full quarter. And that's what I'm most excited for is come May when we actually get to see what the combined entity finally looks like on a quarter to quarter basis, okay? And that might actually get Wall Street excited about the company going forward, but Nightscope will continue to grow at their pace. And if Wall Street wants to continue to ignore, that's their that's their decision at the end of the day. But it is a growing company. And we're gonna keep reporting as much as we can on Nightscope when it reports, because every time they report something, we get a little bit more tidbits to understand how Nightscope's business model works. And so we just thought we'd just keep sharing about it because it's just interesting technology that's on the rise right now, okay? Now, continuing on with the technology because most of this has to do with technology today in our podcast. It's that time of year again where, like I said, when earnings happen, tech gets talked about a lot. But then as the months progress down the line until the next quarter, we won't see as much tech being talked about. So we got to take advantage of it while it's here. Continuing on, it says, Comcast beats expectations. Even as broadband growth slows, Peacock racks up losses. From CNBC, Comcast on Thursday reported fourth quarter earnings that topped analysis expectations despite persistent softness in broad- broadband subscriber growth and mounting losses from its streaming service, Peacock. The company's top line growth was fueled by higher revenue from its broadband and wireless businesses, as well as the theme park segment. Here's how Comcast performed compared with the estimates from analysis survey by Refinitiv earnings per share is $0. 82 cents adjusted versus $0. 77 cents expected. Revenues at 30 30.55 billion versus 30.32 billion expected. The Philadelphia company reported Thursday its fourth quarter adjusted earnings from before interest, tax, depreciation and amortization declined nearly 5% to 8 billion compared with the same period last year, particularly because of the higher severance expenses. Comcast said it lost about 26,000 total broadband customers during the period, particularly due to the impact from hurricane Ian and which struck Florida and South Carolina in September, which caused severe damage and loss at Comcast subscriber homes. Management said on a call with investors Thursday, excluding the impact of the hurricane, Comcast said it would have added 4,000 customers yet. Even as the numbers Correction, yet even that number was a sign that the cable broadband subscriber growth has slowed, especially compared with the early days of the COVID pandemic. The slowdown in subscriber growth has been hitting the cornerstone businesses of cable companies like Comcast and Charter Communications in recent quarters as they face heightened competition from telecom and wireless providers. The companies have also recently... Has said recently that the U.S. housing market slowdown and a declining rate of moving between homes has contributed to the lack of new customers. Still, Comcast broadband subscriber base has remained stable, and revenue from the segment increased nearly six percent during the quarter due to, in part, to price hikes. Comcast's Xfinity mobile continued to grow with 365,000 net additions in the quarter, bringing in total wireless customers count to more than 5.3 million. Mobile customer growth has remained consistent for cable providers since jumping into the business in recent years. The cable TV business lost 440,000 subscribers during the quarter as the cu- consumers continue to cut their traditional TV bundles in favor of streaming services. Now we'll talk about Peacock. Okay, NBC Universal saw revenue increases about 6% or roughly $9.9 billion during the fourth quarter uh, buoyed by revenue from the 2022 FIFA World Cup, which was aired on its Spanish-language Telemundo TV networks and Peacock excuse me sorry about that continuing on it says however peacock weighed on the Univer- nbc universal businesses which is made up in the film tv streaming theme parks as it adjusted earnings fell more than 36 percent in 817 due to the peacock losses and higher se- severance expenses nbc universal recorded an additional loss of 978 million related to peacock compared with the loss of 559 million in the same period last year Peacock losses in 2022 were in line with Comcast's earlier outlook in $2.5 billion. Comcast president Michael Ken- Kenvin said in the call with investors Thursday, the company expects Peacock losses to be around $3 billion in 2023. The company still expects that the services losses peak in 2023 and has steadily improved throughout, the CEO said Thursday. The company said Thursday that Peacock added 5 million net-paying subscribers during the fourth quarter and the best quarterly record since 2020. Peacock sur- surpassed 20 million paying customers, and its revenue nearly tripled to $2.4 Comcast executives on Thursday attribute the increase in Peacock subscribers to its live sports programming, including the World Cup, NFL, and English Premier League, as well as movies like Nope and The Next Day airing NBC Bravo shows. Okay. The streaming wars are going to continue to happen, okay? There was a meme the other day, and it was pretty funny to look at where it showed like every stringles, every single streaming service on the left and was just like, you're gonna pay for this much to do all this, or you can just buy cable network and you can just get all of this, okay? The streaming war services will continue to happen, okay? I still believe that Disney will be up there. I believe Disney will be number one because Disney has a lot of content, obviously. I don't know how Netflix is gonna do, And Comcast with Peacock is going to get extremely interesting to say the least, okay? You remember recently, I believe it was Amazon that reported like they had football on their, their own streaming network and it didn't do as well as they thought it was going to do at the end of the day. But... The streaming wars are about to continue heating up. Netflix actually did really well. They actually admitted that when Netflix did really well, that it actually caused a lot of the streaming service companies to jump as well. And we have to admit now in this podcast, we were wrong about Netflix. I continue to believe that Netflix is going to eventually struggle because like I said, I don't see decent content on their platform. But then again, I'm also someone who doesn't really watch a lot of stuff on Netflix at all. If we're being honest. I mean, my entertainment, I mean, I'm spending more time on YouTube, I guess you could say at the end of the day, and if I'm not on YouTube, I'm trying to listen to other podcasts and stuff just so that I can get a feel of other ideas out there, right? So I guess people's entertainment preferences are different, right? But at the end of the day, it's just interesting to see how this continues to happen, I still think though, a lot of the streaming services should get bit, should get bought out. Like I can honestly see a world soon where like a Netflix gets bought out by a bigger tech company and it's just part of their revenue service in that company, and or for instance like maybe like uh, let's just say this example like Apple buys out Netflix or something right, and then it's just part of the Apple TV only right. I can see stuff like that happening at the end of the day, but I mean the streaming wars will continue to happen, and as they continue to happen, we'll continue to talk about what we can. But we just got to keep an eye out for it. But continuing on with revenue report, IBM tops revenue estimate, says it will cut 3,900 jobs. IBM reported quarterly revenue on Wednesday that topped analysis estimates driven by higher than expected growth in the company's software and infrastructure segments. Here's how the company did. Earnings was $3.60 per share adjusted versus $3.60 per share as expected by analysis according to Refinitiv. Revenue was $16.69 billion versus $16.4 billion as expected by analysis according to Refinitiv. Analysis had expected IBM's total revenue to decline for the first time in two years, but it ended up being flat, according to a statement. Net income rose 16% to $2.71 billion. On Tuesday, Microsoft highlighted a slowdown in new businesses in December, but IBM's CEO said he was not seeing that pattern. "Quote: I see our clients do what they need to do, new development, the CEO said. The company plans to cut about 3,900 jobs, representing 1.5% of IBM's workforce, CNBC confirmed Bloomberg's report charge of $300 million tied to the spinoff of Kindrel and managed infrastructure businesses and its divestiture last year of its Watson healthcare unit. IBM's software segment posted $7.29 billion, which works out to nearly 3% growth and above the $7.12 billion consensus among analysis pulled by Street Account. The company picked up 4.77 billion revenue from consulting, up 0.5%, slightly lower than the 4.8 billion consensus from Street account. IBM, IBM's infrastructure segment generated 4.48 billion, up almost 2%, and more than 4.18 billion Street account consensus revenue from IBM's z systems lined of mainframe computers jumped 16%, and the z16 model became generally available last May. With request to guidance, IBM called for 2023 revenue growth in consistent correction in constant currency. Jim Cavanaugh, IBM's chief financial said on the conference call that it would be prudent to expect it to be on a low end of its model for mid single digit revenue growth and around 10.5 billion in free cash flow. In 2021, IBM announced a goal of delivering 35 billion in free cash flow between 2022 and 2024. That's a lot actually. That's pretty that's pretty interesting. Continuing on, and in 2020-2022, free cash flow totaled $9.29 billion. The company also lengthened the useful life of servers and network equipment starting January 1st, which will boost pre-tax income by over $200 million, Kavanaugh said. Amazon and Microsoft have previously made similar changes. During the quarter, IBM revealed a plan to invest $20 billion in New York's Hudson Valley area over the course of a decade. The company has also announced next-generating quantum computer featuring 433 quad bits. And a acquisition of Octo, one of the handful of consulting companies IBM absorbed since spinning off Kendrel in 2021. Okay, it says here this is interesting too. IBM outperformed its tech peers in 2022, the worst year for the Nasdaq since 2008. IBM rose 11% last year and was one of the only two U.S. tech companies valued at 50 billion or more, notch gains. The other was VMware, which agreed in May to be acquired by Broadcom for 61 billion. Okay. IBM continues to turn around their story in some way, shape or form. I still firmly believe the former CEO of Red Hat needs to take over as IBM's CEO, but that his day might be coming. And when that day comes, that is a company that you want to be on the eye out for. that IBM continues to do well, okay? And I honestly believe one of the reasons why IBM did well was because it's not one of the tech darlings out there, okay? It isn't. Wall Street loves like the apples, that's Google's. The Microsofts, the the Metas, you name the company, they love it. Well, I guess in this case, it's not Google. It's really Alphabet. I have to get it right. okay? But they do love those tech darlings, the high growth ones. And IBM is not really a high growth company, but IBM is a potential safe place sometimes, right? IBM will continue to grow. okay? I think the best analogy for IBM was it was a large ship and they had to turn around how the company was doing. And that might be the case of where IBM's heading towards right now. So it'll be interesting to see when the tech sector does rebound how much IBM gets loved or hated based off how their other tech sectors do, because this might be the start to understand what might be happening to IBM in the future now, okay? It says here, Tesla shares pop on better than feared earnings results demand outlook. From CNBC, Tesla share rose as much as 11% on Thursday morning after beating on the top and bottom line, despite mixed analysis sentiment from the electric vehicle maker outlook. Tesla cut prices at the end of 2022 into 2023, a move that seemed to have sparked demand. Musk offered a caveat, but optimistic outlook for the production 2023. If it's a smooth year without some big supply chain interruption or mass problem, we have the potential to do 2 million cars this year. I think there would be demand for that too, Musk told analysis. Thus far in January, we've seen the strongest orders year to date than ever in our history. We're currently seeing orders of almost twice the rate of production. Tesla CEO Elon Musk said on the investor call Wednesday. Tesla reported automotive revenue of $21.3 billion in the fourth quarter and adjusted earnings per share of $1.19. Analysis were mixed in the response to Tesla's report. Something for bulls and bears, the headline from Bernstein Thursday's morning report read, Bernstein noted that it remained torn on Tesla's stock and reiterated its underperformed rating. Morgan Stanley, Adam Jonas was more s- San... I think it's Sanguin re- reiterating an overweight rating from the $220 price target. Better than feared wrote Ken Cordy an Analysis from George from George, and I'm not gonna bother saying this guy's last name. In a Wednesday's night report, Cancorda maintained its buying rate at $275 price target. Tesla did not issue new guidance, but noted in his earnings release that it planned to grow production as quickly as possible in align with a fifty percent compound annual growth rate target. We began Guiding in early 2021. Okay, this doesn't surprise me. Okay, and honestly, remember China is opening back up, and some of Tesla's factories are in China. So if there's demand again, it means I guess this gives us an idea. In fact, there was a report yesterday, and I wish we had talked about it, but there was other things to talk about. It was talking about the East and West court West Coast ports, and it said the East Coast had like its biggest ever. I don't know if it was like quarter or something like that, but it said that the West Coast ports were not that far behind. Okay. If China's reopening again, Tesla will probably do well. And all I'm saying, this isn't financial advice because people in China, I believe, love the Tesla car in some way, shape or form. I mean, they also have Neo in their country as well. So I mean, they just love their cars there in some way, shape or form. But they were talking about the ports in particular, and they said that the West Coast port was back on the rise and was coming back fast and strong. So soon the East coast ports are not going to be as big when it comes to trade as much, but the West coast in the United States is starting to come back, which means China is virtually reopened in some way, shape or form, which means Tesla might be doing well going forward, which means their manufacturing plants, just a thought right now, I think their manufacturing plants are up and running if Elon believes that right now. And if there's like the strongest demand as well, now, granted... Not all Tesla cars are being sold to China. Maybe there's some being sold in the United States and Europe, but we don't have that report. I just know that report from yesterday. They were talking about the ports. I really should have done a segment on it yesterday, but live and learn, I guess. But what is going to be interesting is if China is reopening and and we're talking about this, that means there's going to be a huge demand for oil. Okay, there will be. And Chevron... Is actually giving us an idea of where oil companies are going, well, at least for their segment in the making. But this isn't financial advice. Obviously, we're just going to be talking about this. And there probably will be some pushback. We'll get into that in a second, okay? It says here, Chevron announces $75 billion stock buyback and dividend boost. Energy giant Chevron announced a $75 billion stock buyback program and a dividend hike on Wednesday evening. Shares of Chevron are up more than 2% in extended trading. The buyback program will be effective on April 1st with no set expiration date, the company said in a press release. The dividend hike increases Chevron's per share payout to $1.51 from $1.42 that will be dis- distributed on March 10th. Chevron's market cap was roughly $350 billion as of Wednesday. Market close, meaning that the buyback would represent more than 20% of the company's stock at the current prices. The buyback plan follows a $25 billion plan enacted in 2019. The old plan was terminated at the end of March for the third quarter of 2022, the most recent quarter that Chevron had reported. The company repurchased $3.75 billion of shares. The new buyback plan comes as massive year of energy stocks as a reopened U.S. economy and Russian invasion of Ukraine combined, with, combined to drive oil and gas prices higher in 2022. Chevron reported more than $12 billion in free cash flow and $11 billion in net income in the third quarter alone. Shares of Chevron rose, rose more than 50% in 2022, even as the broader stock market declined. Okay, Continuing on says, the financial success of energy companies has led to the criticism from politicians, including US President Joe Biden, who threatened higher taxes on energy companies for last year for the war profiteering. Chevron CEO Mike Worth told CNBC in December that the company was in contact with the Biden administration on a variety, variety of issues. Continuing on says, our goal is to stable markets and the prices that are affordable for the economy is something we share. How we get there sometimes, we have different ideas worth sitting on Squawk Box, okay? This is all I'm going to say, okay? Oil companies will be attacked again, okay? Because think about this. We just read about Tesla, about how they're expecting a huge demand for their cars for the most ever. Now, granted, it could have been because they cut prices for the car. And I've seen some people on social media complain by the fact that they're, like, upset that they already bought their Tesla car and then Tesla slash prices. I mean, it's just how things go sometimes. But I will say this, if China's economy is opening up, the demand from oil in China or just energy in general is going to be huge, okay? If they are completely reopened, and I will keep saying this until I, I guess either I'm right or I'm wrong at this point, but I firmly believe if China's economy is reopening, they're going to be demanding a lot of energy to support their economy. Okay. Which means oil companies are going to potentially be making a lot of money. Okay. This is just from Chevron. They're repurchasing more shares and increasing their dividend. Okay. Now, granted, companies don't do that unless they see a promising future or they have so much cash on hand that they don't know what to do and they just decide to give it back to shareholders, right? Do not be surprised if President Joe Biden decides to now rip on these oil companies for doing this. And it starts with Chevron, obviously. We got to wait for Exxon to report. Exxon might not be increasing right now, but they might later down the line. You might see an increase from Shell later on, British Petroleum, you name the oil company. There's a high probability they're going to be doing this. Okay. Especially, like I said, if China has a huge demand for oil in the making. Okay. Another thing I want to point out, too, okay, with these oil companies, they've been doing well, right? Because there's the war in ukraine obviously and there's a huge demand for oil as the economies open up around the world right and of course joe biden's is saying that they're war profiteering okay i need to remind you all that oil companies the last few years were not doing that well they were not okay you can read article after article and in fact we've talked about in past podcasts and i would highly advise finding some of those past podcasts where we actually talked about oil companies not doing well okay and we talked about it. We even pulled up articles dating back, I think, to 2011 and then 2013 and then 2017. Like I can't remember all the details because I remember I had read an article that Joe Biden was like mocking ExxonMobil because they, he was like, oh, ExxonMobil is making so much money. It's their fault. And then I went back to look at articles to see just how bad ExxonMobil was doing for the last couple of years, right? This will be a political issue in the making again. Just wait. Okay. And... We'll see how Wall Street reacts when uh, politics get involved in the oil markets again, like they always do. I mean, we're already seeing some politics happening in the tech sector with Google being potentially broken up right now with the DOJ handing their second antitrust lawsuit, which is coming from the Joe Biden administration right now. And so it'll be interesting to see just how much this continues with politics in the market in the making. Okay, But I'm telling you right now, just my opinion these oil companies are gonna do well, and you can expect a lot of politicians are going to be ripping on these oil companies soon. Just wait. We're making a prediction here on this podcast, and we'll see if we're right at the end of the day when the time comes. So I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much for today's podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription helps grow this podcast so we'll be able to keep talking about events that are happening on Wall Street or that Wall Street isn't or willing to be able to talk about at times. Please also note too that he continues sharing with friends or family as it helps continue to grow this podcast to my fellow subscribers who have been loyal fans that have been sharing. I like to thank you all like I always do for continuing to help share the grow this podcast as we are growing. So with that being said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.